Hello, and welcome to another Veterinary Team Training Podcast. My name is Amy Newfield. I'm both the host and owner of Vet Team Training. Please check out all my other blogs, vlogs, and podcasts at vetteamtraining.com. It is National Veterinary Technician Week here in the United States, and interestingly enough, in a large percentage of the world, a lot of other countries celebrate Veterinary Technician and Nurse Day or Week in the month of October. So congratulations and happy Veterinary Technician and Nurse Week or Day or whenever you celebrate it. I'm thrilled that we have time to celebrate such an amazing profession. I was recently asked to lecture on advocating for the profession and what does that really mean? And I thought this would make an interesting podcast. So I really wanted to utilize this time to talk about how can we advocate for the veterinary technician and nurse profession. Well, if you've been listening to my podcast for quite some time, you know I'm a huge fan of history. So let's dive into some history, because veterinary medicine has changed greatly. Interestingly enough, in 1908, the Canine Nurses Institute of England was actually created to train veterinary assistants. I know, crazy? England was pretty progressive. They actually came ahead of time and decided, you know what, we need to have more than just veterinarians, friends, and family who are helping the actual doctor. So they came up with a school. And again, not the most original title because it excludes every other species, but the Canine Nurses Institute in England in 1908. So they were pretty progressive. Kudos to the UK for being very progressive in actually coming up with education for veterinary assistants. Now let's fast forward to the 1960s. There were a couple other countries that did a pop-up here and there, but it wasn't really until the 1960s where the American Association of Laboratory Animal Sciences actually certified three different levels of on-the-job trained animal technicians to assist in research. So even animal research labs were more progressive than what we have here in the United States known as veterinary technology programs. The very first animal technician education program was in 1961, and this was through SUNY, which was the State University of New York. And so they graduated a total of eight students in 1963. And interestingly enough, even the U.S. Army had a program before any sort of AVMA accredited program. They created something called Animal Care Specialists in 1961 at the Walter Reed in Washington, D.C., by 1965, the British Veterinary Nurse Association actually was the very first true countrywide organization for veterinary technicians and nurses. Now, they call themselves veterinary nurses over there, but kudos again to England. They're crushing it in the veterinary technician and nurse department. So interestingly enough, AVMA decided that same year that they are not going to be responsible. They actually make a public statement and they say that they are not going to be responsible for improving instructional programs for veterinary technicians. They also make a following statement. They say that the term veterinary and a technician or nurse will never, ever be used together in the United States. Obviously, we've come a long way, people. Again, that was only 1965. In 1967, the AVMA said they made a mistake. They changed their views only two years later, and they started to develop a committee designed to deal with establishing criteria to accept veterinary technicians in existence and also help to develop programs for them. I guess they realized we weren't going away, but also, who was advocating for the profession? They're veterinarians. So the AVMA veterinarians were asking the AVMA to develop programs to have 
people who have gone through school because they were finding themselves having to train on the job individuals. So in 1969, they started to encourage all states to have committees for animal technicians. That's what they called them. So in 1968, there were a total of five programs for animal technicians. And by 1972, they actually, the AVMA actually voted to accredit training programs for technicians. And by 1973, they finally passed a resolution proposing registration, but not licensure, of animal technicians. So talk about how many titles this profession has had over the the years, right? It's not even been that long of a time, but yes, animal technician was the very first title. Of course, New York has to be a little bit different, right? Like New York has to be New York, and I think that's fantastic. So in 1977, they bucked the norm and they said, eh, you know what, we're going to call them licensed, and that's what we're doing. So they were actually licensed animal technicians. And that very same year, in 1977, the AVMA added the very first animal technician track to their annual conference. Kudos to them. By 1981, the North American Veterinary Technician Association was formed. Now, some of you know it as NAVTA, and at some point, NAVTA obviously changed their title of their name. And so later, they changed their name to what you know it is today, which is the National Association of Veterinary Technicians in America. But in 1981, I think they were trying to think about including Canada. I'm pretty sure Canada was like, we've got it. We're cool. We've got our own association. We don't need your North American Veterinary Technician Association. So thank God there was a way for them to still use those five you know, letters to come up with something. And National Association of Veterinary Technicians in America is what we currently call NAVTA. So in 1982, they created a compendium on continuing education for animal health technicians. We're still utilizing that title, guys. And by 1984, that's when animal technician got swapped over to veterinary technician. And they started to adopt a national code. We started becoming more organized. And by 1985, the AVMA approved national training for veterinary technicians. And they finally decided by 1989, the AVMA said, fine, you win, NAFTA. We are going to change it from animal technician to veterinary technician. So this wasn't that long ago. For those of you who are constantly looking online, and especially if you've ever seen anything information about the registered veterinary nurse initiative versus vet, be calling vet yourself veterinary technician and people are in two different buckets there are individuals working amongst us who have already gone through several title changes just because AVMA and NAVTA kept calling them different things so um, we keep swapping our titles out guys so um, it wasn't until 1992 that the very first National Veterinary Technician Week was actually declared by NAFTA. So it's actually awesome because this is on its 30th year. So happy kudos to all the veterinary technicians who are here in the United States because you are on your 30th year of celebrating National Veterinary Technician Week. Now I can tell you that I have only celebrated 24 of those years, but I have been very excited to say that I've celebrated 24 out of 30 of NAFTA's actual National Veterinary Technician Week. So the need for veterinary technicians has grown dramatically. I mean, our profession is very young. Again, UK, they had their, their poop together way sooner than anybody else. That hands down. I mean, again, British Veterinary Nurse Association, the oldest countrywide veterinary nurse association in the entire world. That's amazing. 
Um, we, the rest of the world, I think, is still trying to play catch up, but we still have a long ways to come when we're thinking about advocating for the veterinary technician because there's a lot of things that we need to still advocate for. But when we think about the history of us, we're a very young, young profession. So maybe this is why we still need to advocate for ourselves simply because nobody really knows what we do because we're kind of a baby career when you think about it. And so what is advocacy? Well, this is the definition of the act of taking change, creating change, supporting and defending and arguing for a specific cause. And so what exactly are we advocating for? So I kind of like to break it down into four separate buckets because I think that these are really important. And maybe you have different things that you want to advocate for, but I think largely we're all advocating for these very four primary things. Technician utilization, money, show me the money, the titles, right? And then the respect and the awareness that we so deserve. So let's talk about how to advocate for these things and really who is the important person who's going to be doing the advocating. Well, it's interesting because by all definitions, our career as a veterinary technician or nurse is the only job you are defining yourself by what you cannot do. So it's interesting because we say things like, well, I'm a veterinary technician, so that means I can't diagnose, I can't provide a prognosis, I can't perform surgery, and I can't prescribe medication. Those are the four things that you can't do, which is really interesting because every other career, you say, what do you do? And they tend to tell you what you can do or what they can do, not what they can't do. They don't say, oh, I work at Walmart and here are the things I cannot do. They tell you about what they can do. We typically describe our career as the things we cannot do. So that's really interesting when we think about it, just on our own description. The reality is, is that we're still facing an upward battle of technician and nurse utilization. And the reality is, is the lack of utilization is a waste of time and money, not just for the veterinary technicians, but for the veterinarians in the hospitals itself. So if you happen to be a veterinarian or a practice owner who are, is listening to this and you are not fully utilizing your veterinary technicians and nurses, well, then you're wasting your hospital's time and money. Um, we really do need veterinary technicians to start start seeing client appointments. Um, we really want them to be huge advocates of most of the surgery prep work prior to getting in that animal into surgery. Uh, really, the veterinarian should just come in, scrub, and cut the animal and walk out. That's all they really should do. So if you are a practice manager or a veterinarian who is currently asking yourself, wait a minute, there's technicians who are seeing client appointments on their own. The answer is yes. You got to be utilizing your technicians better. Otherwise, you're blowing money out the window when it comes to your own hospital. The reality is, is we are losing veterinary technicians because we are boring them to death. They're not utilizing their skills. And as such, unfortunately, they're bailing out of this profession. It's interesting because there's been a couple studies. In October of 2019, there was an investigation of burnout syndrome and job-related risk factors for the veterinary technician in specialty teaching hospitals. And what they found is this, and here's the actual quote out of the study. When skilled technicians leave the profession, the industry as a whole suffers from a reduced experience pool. 
Finally, the loss of a valued team member can result in a reduced morale in the remaining employees and even result in further resignations. So this is a huge problem that we still continue to have in our veterinary technician industry, which is we're not being utilized to the extent we should. For example, if you are a veterinary technician specialist in emergency critical care, you should have the ability to triage a pet on your own, look at that animal. Let's just say, unfortunately, there's bloody fluid pouring out of a cat's nose. It's breathing terrible. You're going to go ahead and do a therapeutic thoracocentesis on that cat. Your veterinarian is going to come around the corner and is going to say, thank you so much for saving that cat's life because you have the skills and knowledge to go ahead and tap that cat's chest. Instead, what we're doing is standing there, we're waiting for our doctors to do thoracocentesis on a cat that clearly has fluid pouring out of its nasal passages, and this is a procedure that is considered both therapeutic, not necessarily is something that's needed for a diagnosis, and there's no reason why veterinary technicians can't do it. But unfortunately, we have to wait a lot of times for our veterinarians because our veterinarians tell us we can't do such procedures. So honestly, we should be being utilized in a better fashion. In 2019, the AVMA House of Delegates actually commissioned a task force to evaluate veterinary technician utilization. I'll be honest with you and say I'm not quite sure where they are with that because unfortunately, hashtag COVID, um, and it was right before COVID, but I'd like to think that they're looking into this problem of why veterinarians across the industry, it doesn't matter, specialty, general practice, lab animal, aren't utilizing technicians to the fullest cap, uh, capacity. And so really, how can we advocate for something like technician utilization? Well, one, we have to recognize that the job of the 1970s is now drastically different from the 2020s, and we have to place a value on education. We also have to start thinking again about advocating for salaries so that businesses can be stable, but so can employees. If we don't utilize technicians, well then we feel like we can justify our actions of underpaying them because, well, you know, do how much money do they really bring in? The answer to that is almost $100,000 per credential technician in any given year. And these were studies that were ancient, like old at this point, they're over a decade old, showing that that's roughly how much a veterinary technician brings in. If we have technicians who are seeing technician-only appointments, uh, cha-ching. So therefore, we need to pay higher salaries because technicians can greatly influence the overall revenue of a veterinary hospital. So we're going to go down the rabbit hole of on-the-job training and college educated because when we're talking about technician advocacy, we do need to talk about this. And listen, it's National Veterinary Technician Week. I have and will always still continue to say that that is not only for veterinary technicians, but it's for veterinary assistants as well. Until we have two very clearly defined actual careers in every single state, we're going to need to keep the two together to celebrate the two. And I know for those of you who are credentialed, you're saying, oh my gosh, Amy, well that takes and devalues the veterinary technician. This is a week that I think you should be able to incorporate everyone into the hospital. Your veterinarians, your CSRs, your practice managers. Really, I just kind of think the veterinary technician week should be just celebrating veterinary, <laughs> veterinary medicine in general. That said, I do understand where you're coming from. If you're going to pull out veterinary assistance from your celebration this week, well then they need their own week. And so do the CSRs and so do the practice managers. 
And so do the doctors. I think we should be celebrating everybody. But I know that a lot of people celebrate absolutely everybody in this week, though I know I've heard more and more hospitals separating out the two. And listen, I'm a huge advocate for having two separate career paths. They definitely need to be two separate career paths, and here's why. The reality is, is it's not on-the-job trained versus college-educated it should never be versus. The reality is, is when we can support both of each other and both career paths, we both reap the rewards. And right now, we are living in a devalued profession because we're all lumped into one category simply because most believe it doesn't matter. I hear all the time from veterinarians, on-the-job trained is just as good as college educated. I'm absolutely going to disagree with this, and here's why. My very first job, I oopsed myself into a leadership role. Many of you know this story. I was part of a small, privately owned general practice, and the, the family that owned it is, was simply wonderful. They did actually highly utilize their technician staff, but I was one of only two credentialed veterinary technicians and very quickly found myself in a leadership role that I had no idea what I was doing. I was eternally grateful for the experience, but many times the owner of the hospital would bring me someone who really loved animals and say to me, Amy, this was our waiter last night, and could you please make her a veterinary technician? Or, hey, this is actually our grocery store clerk, and they told us they really want to work with animals, so we were hoping you could train them to be a quote-unquote veterinary technician. I took these people who had zero experience. Some of them had pets, and actually a few didn't have any animals ever, and they just loved animals, and I took them from not having any knowledge whatsoever, and I was made to train these people from scratch. I also, luckily, over my years at this hospital, had people who graduated from school and who started in my hospital. I can tell you, there's no question that training from someone who has zero knowledge of animals and then training someone who just came out of school, there's no comparison, guys. It's that simple. When you don't even know what an IV catheter is or how to hold it or how to draw blood or the ramifications if you mess that up and you're doing it on a jugular vein and, oh, you could lacerate the entire trachea. Oh, you could cause nerve damage and paralysis. Oh, I don't know. You could cause a pneumomediastinum. If you don't even understand what that is, well, then it's really hard for me to teach you all of those things. And so training someone from scratch versus training someone who just graduated, again, zero comparison. And that's why we need two different careers, because we need veterinary assistance in our careers. We absolutely do. They play a valuable part of our hospitals, but they pace completely differently. And when people say to me, oh my gosh, on-the-job train is just as good, uh-uh. They did not start off the same, and they pace very, very differently for many years. At some point, the on-the-job train could actually surpass the college-educated veterinary technician, hands down. I've seen amazing on-the-job trained individuals, but the reality is, is that we're all doing ourselves a disservice because we are lumped into one group. It's a profession that anyone can be taught to do on the job, and therefore it's compensated for the low, low price of us not being able to afford to live, and that is the reality. So now that I've gotten that soapbox out of the way, let's talk about the other things, the titles and the title protection. So title protection is very important. Registered nurses became a career with a singular title in the 1920s. And as we already mentioned, the very first vet tech school was in the 1970s. 
There's very few states that offer actual tighter protection for veterinary technicians, and those that do, honestly, they don't enforce it. And so we are constantly hearing from states and, you know, unfortunately, veterinary technicians who say, oh, yes, we have licensure in my state. My veterinary hospital, though, calls everyone a veterinary technician and says it doesn't matter. Unfortunately, this devalues the education process and, again, makes all of our salaries at the low, low price of not being able to afford to live. Along with this is the scope of practice. This makes a career a career. And there's very few states that actually have a solid scope of practice. And those that have scope of practice, well, they're honestly laughable. Um, that's the reality. It's basically in some states, it's like saying, hey, we have title protection. Unless you are a credentialed veterinary technician, you can't call yourself a veterinary technician. And our veterinary technicians are the only ones who can give a rabies vaccine, induce anesthesia, and place an IV catheter. Are you serious? Those are the only three things that differentiate a veterinary technician from a non-credentialed veterinary technician? Like, it, that's the difference between a vet tech and a vet assistant? Are you serious right now? Um, and then that gives us the, the question from so many veterinary technicians going, what's the point? And then from a hospital payment stance, well, then that veterinary technician really isn't contributing much more than the veterinary assistant, which is why everybody's salary stays low low, low price of not being able to afford to live. So it benefits all of us if we have a true veterinary assistant path and a true veterinary technician path. This is really important. By paying credentialed technicians more, it means there's a real career for both of them. By separating out title and scope of practice, we're not trying to keep our veterinary assistants from doing things. We're saying, hey, we want you to have an avenue that you can eventually join where you definitely will make more money and where you will definitely be able to increase your skills and knowledge. Right now, as a veterinary assistant, everyone is thinking, I get to do everything that you do, so what's the point of going to school? The point of going to school is because you pace very differently. You understand the why, and I guarantee the studies that are out there, and hit me up if you want these studies, they have shown the increase in revenue comes from credentialed veterinary technician, not veterinary assistants. So sorry. I know it's really hard, but until we actually have two different careers, we're all going to be continued to be in one lump sum, which means we don't get paid anything. So it also means there's an increasing utilization. When we can say this group of people have the ability to do a certain skill set, we put more trust in that group. When you go into the hospital and someone says, oh, this is a nurse assistant versus a registered nurse, who do you put more trust and value in? Who's going to get paid more? Bing, ding, 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 right? Guys, it's that simple. And it's not to say I don't love the on-the-job trained veterinary assistants. I do, and there needs to be a career path for you. But right now, we're all lumped into one group, and we're all suffering because of it. Until we can separate out credentialed veterinary technicians and become a true career, it's not going to serve any one of us. I'd like to define what a vet assistant is. I want to really say, what does this look like? And then place a value on that. Because veterinary assistants would then have the opportunity to grow, earn a higher salary, just like registered nurse assistants, right? This is really important. So all of this, from changing titles and scope of practice, requires money, it requires time, it requires people to commit to the work because it requires change in legislation. Who are the people who do that? 
It's every single one of us, guys. It really is. It's not somebody with a PhD or even a lawyer. Um, yes, lawyers get involved, but the people who start these movements and start this groundwork are veterinary technicians and even veterinary assistants coming together to open up their state practice acts and say, we want a career. We want an actually, actually to get paid what we're owed at this point. And we're tired of being all grouped into one lump sum and you guys paying us diddly squat. That's the reality of advocacy. And so it requires every single practice to also place a value on education. It literally hurts my heart when people say, oh yeah, we have licensure and we have title protection, but they don't care. I mean, guys, that's just really such a horrible thing to say. Could you imagine if we said that to our veterinarians? Yeah, you're a doctor, but we don't really care. So what we did was we grabbed this store clerk, and we're going to teach them how to spay and neuter. Because no offense, neutering and spaying an animal, it's not that difficult. You could literally teach someone off the street in probably a few hours how to neuter an animal. So you got to question, why aren't we doing that? Oh, I don't know, because there's state laws that prohibit that. Unfortunately, we have no state laws to prohibit veterinary technicians and veterinary assistants doing certain things. And so therefore, again, we don't have an actual career. So it does require our hospitals to place a value on education. If your state has licensure, make sure you utilize the title that you're supposed to be utilizing. And even if your state doesn't have licensure, please challenge, my challenge is separate those out and elevate the entire profession. It's kind of like everyone's job to do that at this point. It also requires each one of us. Yep, that's you listening to this podcast. It requires every single person to become an advocate for this profession. So yes, if you are part of a state veterinary technician association, uh, get actively involved. Figure out where they are with your state practice acts. Figure out where they are with scope of practice and title protection. This is really important. It requires every person to put an effort into it. And if you are not credentialed, you should also get on this bandwagon because creating a path for a credentialed veterinary technician means that one day you might be able to get into that career path and make some more money. State veterinary medical associations, please stop fighting with your vet tech associations. It's archaic to say, oh, my on-the-job train is just as good. Yeah, they are now because they're 10, 15, 20 years into this profession. Unfortunately, they did not start off as just as good. Trust me, I know, guys. I Toe-to-toe, we can go drag somebody off the street who knows nothing, take someone brand new who just graduated, put them in your vet hospital. Who are you going to want more? Yeah, that's all I have to say. Unfortunately, I find that veterinary medical associations are often not supporting the vet tech association and opening up the scope of practice and title protection. That's ridiculous. Can we please stop? Veterinarians, please stop fighting against your technicians. We, I know we're a young profession, but we're just trying to help you out. And then at your practice, absolutely, um, we want to educate everyone at our hospital, but you do it with kindness and education. And then certainly online. Listen, if you're going to be a social justice warrior, which I definitely am, you can't be mean. And I see a lot of people being super mean online. They're snarky, they're rude, they're calling out non-credentialed veterinary technicians, telling them you don't have the right to utilize that title and who do you think you are? Do we really think this is going to how we're going to change the profession? Just be nice to each other. Try to advocate with kindness and compassion and empathy. Just stop the bullying online because that's not going to help serve anybody. And it certainly isn't, isn't advocacy. It's actually the opposite of that. 
And then it requires client education as well. I mean, I often think like if some big company could put out some advertisements online, could you imagine during the Super Bowl, there's an advertisement that says, what is a veterinary technician, a credentialed veterinary technician? I guarantee you owners are going to ask for what a credentialed veterinary technician is in their own hospital. When I have conversations with friends and family, I educate them on what a veterinary assistant is, what a veterinary technician is, as well as salaries, as well as some of the issues in my own uh, hospital and practice and my career. And it's eye-opening for them. So we can educate clients so that they're aware of what is going on in our profession. But it also requires that client education from veterinary hospitals. If we can have our own hospitals advocate on our behalf, that's a huge win for us. If we can have individuals advocate to clients, state veterinary technician associations should be putting out information to clients. Same with state veterinary medical associations. NAVTA, obviously, AVMA, and every single business and organization that wants to be an advocate for veterinary technician, guys, jump on board. We love advocates. So get on board and start advocating for us. I also want you to all elevate yourself to elevate the profession. I very much want you to be proud of what you are doing in this profession. And right now, advocacy sometimes is an all-time low. I see online how horrible this profession is, how terrible it is, and how it's full of bullies and yada, yada, yada. And you guys hate on this profession so much on social media that if I was a client, I would be pretty darn sure that you all hate your profession. The reality is, is what we do is awesome. The veterinary medicine and the pets are never changing. The animals that we work on to save their lives, the animals that we provide a healthy care to so that they can live longer lives, that stuff is awesome. That stuff is unchanging. This profession's really amazing. In all that you do, elevate yourself because you will elevate the profession. And by elevating the profession, you advocate for it. And that's huge. When you bash it, when you say it's the worst job in the world, come on, guys, there's way worse jobs than being a vet tech. You would not want to be stuck in an office. I mean, most of you have, <laughs> if you've ever been in an office-only job where there's just cubicles and walls, you probably wouldn't survive. We have an amazing job. We get to see cool stuff every day. Never, Every day is never the same. I'm not sitting down and staring at spreadsheets or doing long math problems for hours on end. And I'm not looking at designs or, you know, boring stuff online. I'm literally have my hands on an animal and I'm saving that pet's life. It's a cool freaking job, guys. It's really amazing. So just recognize that while we do have some issues and we have to talk about them, talk about them in a healthy manner. And at all times, if again, advocating means that you're also going to elevate the profession and that's really huge. And so when we think about advocating for this profession, especially right now, again, huge time, National Veterinary Technician Week. A lot of you, again, have celebrated National Veterinary Nurse Weeks and Nurse Days, wherever you're celebrating this around the world. We all need to advocate for this profession. We can think about how young of a profession it is, regardless of what country we are, especially in the United States, super young profession. Advocate is advocating is all of our responsibility, but we have to do it with kindness. We have to elevate our roles. We have to advocate for a career for us because I would argue that we don't even necessarily have a career at this point. We're still, again, lumped all in together 
when we should not be. We should be a veterinary assistant career and a veterinary technician or nurse career. We need those two separate careers so we can elevate both of them. And then we can put values on them and put dollar amounts on them. And then we actually have career passing. And then we also need to push for utilization. Veterinarians, stop placing damn IV catheters. You have super talented people. They can place their own IV catheters. You do not need to do it yourself. Stop doing dental profies. Why is a veterinarian doing a dental profi? Does anybody know? Um, so just stop doing that stuff. Uh, we got to be able to utilize our veterinary technicians to the highest amount. I know this podcast doesn't have a lot of answers, but what I do know is advocacy is everyone's responsibility from companies to organizations, from committees to individuals to hospitals. We all need to advocate for this profession because right now we're all struggling in this profession and we all want it to be an actual profession. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for all that you do. For all of you who are veterinary technicians and nurses and assistants, you guys are rock stars. You are true unicorns. Thank you so much for listening. Keep on being a unicorn. And please check out all my other blogs, vlogs, and podcasts at vetteamtraining.com.